welcome back folks to Big Mama Hacks. Today I'm sitting down with Ruby Von Vanity and I'm so excited. Um, she's a burlesque performer and does many other things that are wonderful that we'll talk about, but I am very excited to learn more about burlesque. It's something that I've always been super curious about and just never had the time to dig any deeper about it or go to a show or any of the things I've only really seen like Betty Page and like I'm very old. And um, I'm just really excited to talk about it and especially the renaissance of burlesque because I know there was a time where it wasn't as popular and there's been like this huge renaissance in my time for sure. So welcome Ruby and thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, thank you for having me. So let's get right into it. Um, I kind of want to ask you because I don't know much about burlesque. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, how would you define burlesque now, the contemporary um, art of burlesque? How would you define it? Um, I think it's way, way different from what it used to be. Um, now it's very, um, it's open and accepting to all people, all genders. Um, it's also kind of, there's different kinds of it, I would say, like there's still the classic striptease burlesque, but then there's also more of like a, it's gotten more performy, like a performing arts kind of storytelling type deal. Um, but it's just fun and I think it's not, it's not what it used to be at all, I don't think. But also a lot of people get it confused with like the share movie burlesque. Like that is not burlesque, that's cabaret. <laughs> yeah. um, or like pussycat dolls, that kind of stuff. Like that's not burlesque. And I think there's a lot of people that come to shows expecting it to be that. And then we're stripping and they're like, oh my God, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> One time I was part of a woman's health collective in Baltimore when I was like in my 20s. I was so stupid. So I'm showing this Annie Sprinkle film because she was like this sex positive porn star basically and was really into like um empowering the female orgasm. And I realized like, this is totally inappropriate. It was one of those awkward moments where it's like, yeah. oh, I'm literally showing a porn movie at this health collective yeah. and I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so that's funny. So do you, I mean, is there an element of comedy or like sort of a way to like break down if you do you notice that in the audience if you're like oh they don't know what they signed up for is there a way to kind of like break that ice or you just like go on yeah. with it and like forget about it um <laughs> I, like our shows we kind of like have like a set of rules in the beginning mm -hmm. we go over yes this is a safe space to cat call or be noisy or do whatever um but there is an element of comedy to it burlesque when it originally started in like the 1800s, it was comedy. The right. comes from mocking, so it was comedy. Nobody knows where the stripping aspect came into it, but like for our shows, I mean, yeah, there's been people who will get up and leave because they're uncomfortable, but usually my acts, personally, I tried to switch it up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And I try not to make it so serious where there's instances where I feel like you're watching people and they're giving you the stare down, they're performing. I do that, but it makes people uncomfortable. So I just kind of try to keep it light and fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Crazy. Yeah, especially like contemporary times. I think people, I know personally for me, like I would have a hard time like feeling like I'm a lawyer, even though it's like consensual and the person, like you go over the rules. I love that. But it's like still, it's like this weird, like I would feel like bad because I'm like ridiculous and like super sensitive. But I think I I need to go to one first of all. And especially I just saw that so let's let's rewind a little bit. I didn't even talk about this. So you work with a troupe. Is it do you call it a troupe? Okay, cool. So it's the Looking Glass Review and um it's a group of burlesque dancers. Um it seems like it's changed since I last looked. There's some additional people that are involved as well. Can you just talk a little bit about how that works? Do you ever do solo performances or is it always with the troupe? And I love that, that it's like um, a collective. So you, you probably have more with safety and, you know, um, it's probably a more exciting show too, because you get to see all different kinds of performances. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, our troupe started 10 years ago. 
we started in a basement of this like grimy dive bar um, <laughs> and we've really evolved there used to be only four of us there's two myself and mika are the only original members um i'd say maybe like six years ago ish we started we wanted to add more people to the troupe and we wanted to have chorus girls so like essentially backup dancers people to help us with our props um kittening we added we always would have a comedian at our shows to kind of like break it up but we have a comedian ben that's officially like in our troupe um but we just added more and more people because we wanted to have that like even though we're a troupe we work together people come to see certain people everybody has their own kind of fan base sure. um so one and more variety different size bodies color everything um we do have a few men in our troupe as well um and it did change more so after covid because mm. everything kind of like fell off and then it was like do we still feel like doing this do we want to continue like because everything was gone there was no yes like nobody wanted to do anything so um but we've definitely made a comeback and it's fun because we can bounce ideas off each other um mm -hmm. we're all really close and it's just it's a good atmosphere um we have a producer who books all of our shows so i don't have to worry about oh my god i gotta gotta like keep going like booking stuff um yeah i do occasionally do before the pandemic i used to do a lot of um other shows not with the troupe mostly in philly mm -hmm. but like i said after the pandemic it was just kind of like i'm just going to focus on the troupe now um yeah but it's nice we all kind of like i said we vibe off each other and it's cool to have um the hushabies they also get like a solo number they don't do stripping they're just more um like entertainment and they kind of mm -hmm. bring the comedic aspect to it as well i think um like uh was it last week and i think we just did the classic rock show so mm -hmm. i did a teacher and i had the hushabies dressed as like my students and they were just like really hamming it up and that just it really makes the entire act so much better and it's we just really have a fun time but yeah the the troop aspect is definitely definitely changed since since we started yeah it was hard because i know with covid a lot of theaters and like places i used to go see shows in philly like totally closed it's crazy like it hit theaters and and small venues so so hard and it was so so hard to watch these old venues like desperate to stay afloat it's so so sad so i'm really glad that it's come back around and things are happening still um i wanted to ask too so if people wanted to come out to a show, mainly your shows are mainly in Pennsylvania, would you say? Or do you ever do tours other places? For the troupe, it's mostly in PA. We have performed, um, we did Sundance Film Festival in Colorado. Mm -hmm. That was like a million years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and we also had a documentary that released at Cannes Film Festival in France which was really cool, but we mostly just perform in, in PA. Um, That's awesome. all, like we post all of our dates and everything on our Instagram or the website. Um, I know we don't have anything as a troop coming up until October. Gotcha. Our Slasher-esque, which is like one of our most popular shows because it's Halloween. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll make our, sure to link everything as well in the show yeah. notes. Go ahead, what were you gonna say? Already planning ahead and starting like costumes and everything for for that and it's August. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's, it's not too early though. It's like, first of all, where'd the summer go? Second of all, like I totally, you have to plan ahead. I wanted yeah. to ask you about costuming because that's something that we talked about. Um, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I did also wanna ask you how you got interested in burlesque, but let's just talk about costuming for a moment because that's so exciting i sort of did some more research on burlesque and i know that something very very important is the costumes so can you 
talk to me about the process and also sort of like, do you, do you have your own individual style of costumes that you like to use? Um, and when somebody comes to particularly the Looking Glass review show, like, are there all different kinds of costumes? Like, I'm just thinking of the fan dance, of course, because that's like the only reference they have, but. Um, so for me, it goes back and forth. Sometimes I'll find a song and I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this. Next step is the costume. Other times it's, I wanna make a costume that looks like this and then I'll find the music. Um, but I pull from a lot of, like, I'll look through like Pinterest, like old movie costumes and stuff. I'm really mm -hmm. um, obsessed with Marilyn. So like I've pulled inspiration from some of her old dresses. Um, feathers and fringe are always like a cool thing to have movement. My typical costume usually is like a dress. Um, and then corset, bra, and then I'll add gloves or boas or different things. Like I, I, when I first started, I would make a new costume for every single show. Wow. Um, I can't afford this and I don't have time for this. No, oh my gosh, so much time. So you're sewing your costumes, you're designing them and then you're sewing them and you're adding all of the different details. It's a yeah. lot of time. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's for I, sure. That's a lot hyper focus on things so it would be like oh my god I gotta have this costume I gotta make it now it's gotta be perfect there's yeah. so many costumes I've started and I'm finished and I end up like hand beating fringe on it like just insane stuff and then everything should be like sparkly because the stage lights that's a huge yeah. thing we're literally rhinestoning everything wow so it's um it's a thing. I also don't like to like, some people have asked me to make their costumes and I don't, like I make pasties for people or headpieces on occasion, but I don't like to make costumes for people because then it like takes away from it and then it's like a job. So it's, yeah, I just keep it to myself. Um, That's awesome. But I like to challenge myself and I try to think of like the most wild, wild costumes I can and how to execute it so then I can be like yes I made that um, that's so cool that's such a neat aspect too of what you do yeah it's probably one of my one of my favorite things but there's always like I've also recently started taking my old costumes apart and trying to like reuse them to make yeah something new since post-pandemic nothing fits anymore <laughs> oh my gosh seriously <laughs> yeah so it's like trying to like uh we had a show a couple months ago I I was like oh I need a new costume like we haven't done a show I need something new and I was determined to use like I have a whole entire craft serum and it, I just hoard every little sparkly thing or like embellishment I find and I was like I'm gonna actually use all this stuff now for once um <laughs> put it to use and not buy anything I'm going to make something but it's just fun that is really cool so do you make your own corsets I'm interested in this because a lot of my friends make stays and then I worked at delicious corset in Philly like when I was in my 20s and mm -hmm. I was I had never understood the art of corset making and it's just it's it's beautiful but it is very like tricky you know I sew but I don't sew like that like it's a whole nother level I um tried to make my own corset once with a pattern <laughs> and it was like a pattern from Joanne so it wasn't like a legit steel right. book. um it was complete trash so yes. at, <laughs> I do I will order like or use an old corset I have and I will recover it in the fabric I need for it yeah but even that's tricky because it it's cut away so it's flaring at the top and the bottom yes. so you cut it the right way and it's still a process but yeah um, I wish I could make my own corsets I did know a lady when I first started burlesque um that's actually how I kind of got into it but she she made corsets and her stuff was amazing and I was just like I can't my brain can't even fathom how to 
vegan to me thing like no, that no 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 and I so but like I can't even follow a pattern I'm like I'm just gonna like wing this and it's gonna it's, be flowy it's like a pillow dress <laughs> yeah it's patterns hot glue pattern. comes candy a lot when <laughs> you're just over it yeah. and hot yes when in doubt hot glue comes yeah. out for sure um that's so funny um because I actually ordered a corset from my friend who makes stays or whatever I guess she calls them stays but then I lost weight and I was like oh no what do I do now like it doesn't do its job and I had to like take it in and it looks like trash like you said but I really only need it to be good in the front because it's for like photographs and like nobody's gonna be looking behind me but it's so funny um it's just such an art and I'm just like and I was like the shipping person at Delicious Corset so I only really kind of watched them and I would send the stuff out but it, it was like okay, this is definitely not my wheelhouse. I'm not going to be able to ever do this, but I really appreciate it. And I love the way it feels like, I don't know if you get this feeling too, but like I have like sensory seeking or sensory issues or whatever, but it feels so good. Like you're being hugged. Like, I just love the feeling. It just feels so good. You know, I agree with that. And so yeah. you're like, all all cinched in to get on stage. Yeah, and you're- no. You're nervous and you can't breathe as a corset so that, tight. that's not, that's not the corset that's not the corset life that I live <laughs> yeah I'm like not that yeah exactly it's like either really tight or like totally naked those are the two modes and like do not try and cover my feet ever okay yep. that's so funny so I can totally get with it it's like those are the two modes but I'm so let's just rewind for a minute and I want to ask you how you became interested in burlesque because I'm I'm wondering with it being such like a performance-based art, which I'm not negating that stripping is not very intense and, and takes a lot of talent for sure, but this is also like theater and you're like doing some acting. Like, how did you get into it? Did you get into it through, I know you mentioned the corset maker and then um, did you have a background in dance or theater? Like, how did you find your way into burlesque? Did um, I started dancing when I was probably like six. Um, And then I started taking ballet in third grade and I stuck with that and ended up teaching ballet actually up until I was probably 21, I would say. Um, So dancing has always been a huge part of my life and, you know, being on stage and stuff. And then I really got heavy into modeling and like pinup stuff and um I was asked to do a photo shoot for this corset company um she was located in Jim Thorpe so we went up there did that um the photographer he actually started Retro Lovely magazine which was like a pinup magazine and they were holding a contest for um, the corset company does Jim Thorpe burlesque festival. It doesn't exist any longer, but, um, so that was like my first experience being at a burlesque show and watching, like I knew who Dita Von Teese was and all the, mm-hmm. you know, the mainstream people, but to actually watch that happening, I was just like, my mind was blown. I was like the costumes, the dancing, the glamour of this, the makeup, the stripping, like always naked like what how do I do that so I ended up actually winning the contest so um that just kind of like I met a bunch of girls of the performers and stuff at that um show and I got to be really um good friends with the producer so the next time they did a show she had asked me to do um if any of the girls needed their makeup done for the show I was a makeup artist at the time. So I was like, hell yeah, like, let me do your stage makeup. So that's how I kind of got my foot in the door with it. And I started kittening a couple of her shows, which is the kitten is the person who will pick up all the clothes after the performance and set up props or anything needed for the next act. Um, So I started kittening and I met, Mika, who is in my troop now, I met her through a kittening job I had gotten from the original, all that 
makeup and the shows and stuff, I had met her through that. So after that night, she's like, we're looking to start a troupe. Do you want to be part of this? And I was like, hell yeah. And the rest is history. That's so cool. That's really cool. Now, do you guys, do you um, live close together? Do you get to hang out and do other things? Or how does it work? I'm kind of curious, like how often do you practice? Like, how does that all work? But you don't really have to do routines together. So you don't really need to collaborate right. in that way, except for with the chorus now, right? Right. We usually have rehearsal every Sunday. Oh, nice. Uh, we are in, a lot of the girls live in Philly or Lehigh Valley. So, gotcha. I mean, they're close enough. We, we can yeah. do whatever, but also we all have like our own crazy lives right now. So, yeah. um, but yeah, usually every Sunday we rehearse and, um, sometimes we'll take off if we don't have like, like right now, we don't have a show for a while, but there right. was, it was like nonstop rehearsal every weekend for months and months and months and months. And it's just like, but we, yeah, we do stuff outside of it. We're all friends outside. That's the awesome. Um, they all just came to my house for brunch the other week. Like it's fun to just have friends outside of that, but also like supportive and they know what you're dealing with. Like I can be like, Hey, yeah. do you have, do you have this color rhinestone because I really need it to finish this costume. Do you have this? Like we just exchange and bounce ideas off each other and it's fun. That's awesome. And I remember seeing um I guess it was on the Instagram page, your Instagram page, that a while back, maybe during the pandemic, you guys, um, you and someone else, I think, offered a class also on costuming. Is that right? And makeup? Was that something that do you ever yeah. do you ever get a chance to like do people come to you? Um that are interested in burlesque or makeup or costuming to do things yeah. like that? We usually teach, Mika teaches a lot of like the burlesque basic classes. Oh, nice. I would come do, I usually teach tassel twirling and hair and makeup. So sometimes we'll like combine them and do like a whole workshop or we'll just um, break them up. I'm teaching, a burlesque basic at the end of this month at um, Dash Fitness Studio. So that'll be cool, but it's fun because there's there's people that are like really nervous to come try it. And then there's people mm -hmm. that are like all in. So yes. but the most important thing to take away from any of that is just, I feel like just confidence with yourself that maybe you didn't come in feeling that great, but you're leaving feeling like good about yourself and yeah. then you learn for all your nipple tassels I don't know but yeah I'm very interested in this because it's so funny because it's like what are they what's the stupid thing it's like too long I don't know it's something about being like ballsier when you're older but then like your body like I am super yeah. like, I don't I give zero shits now like I turned 40 and I don't care but now I'm like, oh, but my like boobs are so long and like not moving at all. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'm with it now, but like, I wish I had been with it before. But um, I, you know what? I guess for me, like always haven't been like a chubby girl, but like also kind of confident and like wanting really hard, even if I had to talk myself into it, being like, I'm fucking sexy. I don't care. Like jiggle all the way. Like it was different growing up in the nineties though. Cause it was like, it was just different. There's a lot more support. I, I think now, like, and my daughter's um, a plus size young lady, she's 14. And I just feel like there's more like support when it was like, really for us, it was different. And it was more like, like um, counterculture uh, to be like body positive or whatever. But it's so neat. Cause that's something that, and I know this might be like totally not true, but that I always thought about burlesque that it felt like it was very like body positive and like inclusive in that way. And maybe you're talking to the old, the old burlesque was not quite like that. But I guess growing up in like the nineties, like I felt like what I saw was more like that and it always felt really good. So like thinking of taking a class or something, I'm not even worried about like my body as much as like the titties are just like done. They're like, we've been there, done that, they're deflated. But um, I'm thinking just like maybe there's workarounds, right? So put a corset on and then you like deal with it that way or something, like give it a little help. <laughs> I feel just, like, 
people would rather watch somebody now who's more curvy and they do have something to show than yeah. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. nothing wrong with stick skinny people no, but no people enjoy seeing a feminine body you know yeah. Um, but yeah it's definitely definitely all inclusive that's um, amazing yeah and it's cool just to see somebody who society would normally be like oh you're you're overweight whatever but yeah. to watch them put it in their own skin I think that's really that's cool that's it's it's beautiful to watch and even you know like not negating people that are thin have also issues of course but it's awesome to see that in anybody but particularly just because you know you know like with that background of having faced a lot of um I don't know I can remember when I was growing up like when Suicide Girls came out that was like kind of also a big deal and like I'm an introvert believe it or not but like I would get really put off when she'd be like oh are you on Suicide Girls just because I have like tattoos for like no but like I know people that are like I knew and and it's funny because I don't know if you're familiar with that but it was kind of one of these things where I never really knew like I had friends in Philly that were like on Suicide Girls and like contributors or whatever and I never knew if they were like being exploited or if they were being being treated well but it was definitely like a whole vibe and it was kind of neat to see like it was one of the first times that I in my time had seen like like pornography being more like inclusive like size wise and like um no I remember just the way people looked you know yeah I remember when Suicide Girls came out that's actually funny you mentioned that because I was like mind blown I remember being in high school when that first came out and I was Mm -hmm. like in all of them and I was like it's crazy like they look nothing like because also I feel like at that point Playboy was really yeah popular like the um what was that show Girls Next Door or something like that yes yeah 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 blonde big boob skinny I mean we all love big boobs and blondes but just complete opposite Mm -hmm. of each other and I was like they can do this I could probably do this too like I have tattoos Mm -hmm. Uh, and I did go see the Suicide Girls burlesque show when they were in Philly and that I just remember watching them like holy shit like I was in all of them the same thing the costumes like the music used they were dancing to like like more punk kind of music and stuff mm-hmm. and I was like holy shit that that like might have been the first time I actually like really honed in on burlesque and then it just kind of like went away until right it wasn't popular then at all I don't think yeah that's funny I forgot about the because bur- I forget everything so it's been a long yeah. time <laughs> but I forgot that they had some kind of because I was in the Philadelphia area then and that makes sense because I know I had some friends that were part of it and then I never really like I guess I never sort of was able to figure out like I hope they're doing okay with this but it's really cool if it is like on the up and up because they were really happy you know um I think I don't I think Suicide Girls still exists but I know it's not what it used to be and that was kind of like yeah disappointing like Instagram percent like Instagram like they really tried to capitalize on it and it's just like not what the roots were of it you know right yeah greed will do that it will change things and that's that's super disappointing but yeah it's like and then like makeout club was at the same time it's just so funny how things changed and like um but you know like even well anyway we won't get into the whole pornography thing but it's just it's 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 tricky because it's like it's just, it's just really interesting and it all kind of wraps in together at certain points but this idea of like you know shame and like being a fetish it can become really dangerous and then you get into a place where like there's no consent and stuff like that so I think it's really important you know to showcase that that it's okay to feel sexy and desirable and it's okay to express yourself and be naked and love your sexuality and also still want to be treated properly and have rules and like consent and like it's all it's all good but I think it's so weird because now that I'm an old lady like you know seeing younger people 
And we did that, like I did that, like where we just didn't care and we just did what we wanted to. And we didn't care about like, if we were like getting consent and stuff. I don't know. It's just so interesting to watch as like you get older to kind of see like younger generations go through the same struggles. And it's just, it's tricky, but I think it's so valuable to have people like yourself and like when we were younger, like suicide girls to see that like alternative and see, like, I know my friends that were involved were able to make their own rules with like what they were comfortable with. And that was kind of new in that, um, you know, in that, um, profession, I couldn't think of the word. (laughs) Do you, Oh, do you ever incorporate like your dance background into your burlesque performances? Like, do you ever like pop out the, um, what are they called? Point shoes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that um, would be I, so neat. Um, I've done a couple fan dances. I'll use my point shoes. Um, and also we used to do like a naughty or nice Christmas show and I would always do sugar plum fairy. So oh, I would wonderful. point shoes for that. Um, or I, I would use some of the, I do, um, I haven't done it in years, but it was with a big giant bubble, like how Sally Rand used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would use a song from the Nutcracker for that too. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, it's there. I haven't done point shoes in a while because my body and my ankles are complete shit oh. from dancing for so many years. But yes. yeah, point so- is really hard on your body. It is. It yeah. is. I get out of bed half the time where my daughter wants to like run and have a race and I'm like I can't run because my ankles are gonna snap in half I know and then and then you get to my level and then you're like well I don't really want to run because you know a fall now is very different than a fall it's like I really can't do the sprained ankle these days friends sorry about it (laughs) oh my gosh getting older but yeah, that's what happens. You get so ballsy when you're old, but then your body is like, no, ma'am, yeah. we're not doing this. <laughs> this is yeah. not going to happen. All right. So I know you mentioned to me when we were talking about doing this interview that you're a single mom. And I'm really curious, um, having been raised by a single mom, and also I was a single mom for four years of my eldest daughter's life. How do you balance that life with your burlesque life? Um, and it's so tricky with timing because, I mean, there were times that I would just like not sleep so I could paint. Um, so I'm really curious about that just based on how it was so tricky for me. How does that work for you in your family? Um, I got pretty lucky. Um, I've been single since I was pregnant. So like, I've never known anything else. I have a very supportive family, so they're able to help. Um, but I started doing burlesque when my daughter was maybe like 10 months old and it was kind of like a way to like take back my body and Mm -hmm. to make myself feel to feel good about myself again because it's like who's gonna ever want like who's gonna want a single mom you know Mm -hmm. um yes but I I got over that (laughs) um and she's kind of been part of this whole journey. Like she mm. doesn't know in depth what I do. She's, mm-hmm. she's going to be 11. Um, she doesn't know in depth what I do, but she knows she comes to rehearsals with me. She sometimes she'll learn the like little dances we do. Um, but I always try to keep that completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's never been backstage at a show or anything like that. It's She's always with my parents parents when I have a show but but she's involved enough to know like she'll help me make my costumes or um I put her to work rhinestoning now or she'll be like (laughs) this color costume instead of this or that um but it's also like I like having the troop around her because we're all like really strong individuals I feel like so it's cool Mm -hmm. for her to see how the inner workings of all that are versus you know like I was never around that stuff growing up like right it's okay to feel comfortable with yourself or Mm -hmm. express your sexuality 
or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess it's balanced, but also she is kind of like, she's in on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there would be instances, like I was breastfeeding. So it's like, how do I wear pasties and I'm leaking, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly, that would be so but, hard. Oh my gosh. But I got to go on stage soon. Like <laughs> it was kind of wild, but also at that point, cause I was so young, it was like, that was my like escape from reality mm -hmm. for a little, because I was with her 24 seven. Like I didn't have a job at that point because I couldn't afford childcare. Right. So burlesque was a very like minimal income but mm -hmm. it was also a chance to like get out of the house and go be an adult so mm -hmm. yeah I love all of that it reminds me I started to tear up and I'm like oh my gosh I'm a blubbering old lady now <laughs> because when I was newly single mom um her dad and I broke up when she was four months old it was so that struggle was so real of just like reclaiming which I never had my sexuality really. I really never understood myself, but it's really interesting how motherhood can sometimes like push you to like reclaim something you never really like totally grasped before. And I love the way you describe that because um, my little shorty was always with me. She was like, always with me, always with me. And I would paint um, like discovering my sexuality painting. So it's like, she's always seen vaginas and boobs right. and she recently told me it made her super uncomfortable for my little girl to be seeing that. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. At a certain point you have to talk to kids about sex. I've been talking to my daughter about sex for a really long time because I want to make sure that she understands it and can express herself and also identify. Um, Are you there? I am. I'm back. Okay. Talking to your daughter about. <laughs> okay. So my, my mom was uncomfortable about it. And I was saying that that's because of the shame that she grew up with, you know, but um, I think as, as we, as we, each generation changes so much, I always wanted, I've been talking to my daughter about sex since she was a little girl, just so she understands things. So she can understand what she's consenting to, because right. I don't know about you, but like when I was young, like I was 14, when I became sexually active, that's so old fashioned. But like, I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. So it would have been nice for me to understand like, oh, what's going on? Cause how can you consent if you have no understanding? You know? I am. Um, it's funny. I feel strongly about that. Even with like, it's funny because uh, yeah, she's around that stuff. She comes to my day job with me sometimes. So she knows what body parts are what, but like, yes. now it's more, acceptable I think like she knows I mean all I have a lot of um LGBTQ friends so she knows mm -hmm. she's been around that like I didn't know any of that stuff growing up everybody at school she wears like um she has uh equality shirts she has trans rights or human rights shirts like and I said do you know what these mean before right. you're wearing them at school and she's like yeah everybody at school knows what transgender is everybody knows what bisexual is everybody knows gay you know I'm like well wow. that's cool I was in fourth grade nobody knew that stuff so I feel like mm -hmm. it's more open and talked about which I think is cool and it's more accepted nowadays but yeah I try to be open enough with her that she doesn't feel embarrassed or anything mm -hmm. she has questions about any of that because I I didn't feel comfortable going to anybody about that stuff when I was younger, you know, so yeah, it's like trying to be a, a safe space for your kid to come talk to you about anything because mm -hmm. who knows anymore, you know? Indeed, for sure. And that's the thing. I always think, like, I think ridiculously amounts of time about, like, you know, how, how, how can molestation end up happening? And I often think there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I think that's important that you, as a parent, you can do something about it is kids don't even understand what's happening because they don't know how to identify like their parts or like good, bad touch, whatever. So that's yes. been like a mission of mine because of my experiences as a kid, just like not knowing, oh, this is probably not something that should be happening. 
Um, I think it's so, so important. And of course they're not teaching it in school. I used to teach in schools. They do not teach proper sex education. Like, like it kind of sucks that like they're teaching like sort of a very surface, like politically correct, like cultural stuff, but they're not actually teaching. Like I asked my daughter, she was in eighth grade. And I was like, did you guys learn like, like orgasm or anything like this? No, it was only just like the medical stuff. And it was kind of frustrating because I'm like, well, I'm going to teach you, but like, it sucks for the kids that parents don't like know or, or want to teach that. But anyway, that's a whole, that is a whole, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing. But, um, that's amazing that your daughter's been around it. And I think there's such a, like my mom can't get with it, but I think there's a really good balance of like exposing and identifying your parts and like other people's lifestyle and parts and everything. And then like the balance between not like exposing too much and like, um, age appropriate exposure and stuff. But I think, you know, I'll tell you what, as a teacher, like I taught in preschools and like some kids would like be like at nap time, like masturbating. And I had never fucking seen that in my life. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And like, I had never thought like kids are, kids are exploratory. They're like interested, like, you know, it's like, it's when, when is too young? Exactly. Mother, like they're, they have these parts, they live with them. And like, it's important for them to know you know things so I'm for it completely that's yeah. awesome so how you mentioned um, your oh sorry oh go ahead you mentioned your day job and I know about your day job because we have a mutual friend and she told me and I was like wow <laughs> I am like I can't wait to talk about this this is so so cool um and then I'll tell you a funny story about city paper working there oh I can't wait <laughs> I feel like my life is fake sometimes. Like I just have all Same. these like, wild, awesome ends, and it's like you actually do that for a living, right? I know it's so funny when you stop and think about it. It's so funny. Um, so I work for a company called Real Magic, and we make fully functioning prosthetic penises for um, female to male trans um, transgender, or just anybody who we work a lot with the VA, anybody who would need a penis in general. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really rewarding job. And I tell people, they're like, I didn't even know that's a thing. And I'm like, right. Yeah. Like it's a thing. Um, but it's fun cause it's still being creative and mm-hmm. on a regular basis, but it's just penises um but everybody at work is like really we're a really close-knit group so um it's not really going to work it's going to hang out with your friends that's awesome that's the best kind of jobs you know yeah definitely yeah that's amazing that makes me so happy um so Back, like you mentioned, it's so weird when you look back at these things. I was like 25 or something, and I worked at the city paper in Philly as like the office manager, I guess I was. And it was so interesting to me because like I grew up in a town outside of Philly and like it was a very um diverse area, but it wasn't, I didn't get a lot of exposure. Like, like I had friends that were gay in high school and stuff for sure. And like my so-called life came out when I was in high school. So it was yeah. like, a topic and then like queer eye came out in my 20s so it was like Carson Cressy I actually interviewed him his he's Pennsylvania Dutch he's amazing and he was just so profound in my life but like you mentioned like when I was in high school bi was like popular but only in a very like voyeuristic like exploitative way for like boys to like watch girls make out it wasn't like like it actually treated with like any respect or validation. So it's, it's been neat to see that evolve. But when I was at City Paper, um, we had like a whole ad section and I never really paid much attention to it, just like looking at City Paper, but we would get so many trans people coming in to take out ads for um, services. And it was really like a profound moment for me to just like get to know them and see them. It was like, I had never even really understood that at all at that time like in, when I was like 25 but just to really like see like um people in the trans community but also like sex workers in a very human way and just like to see like you know they're no different than how I am and I thought I think it really like um informed a lot of you know how I how I went about my life 
after that because it's like, you know, there's two ways of thinking about it. There's the way of thinking of it as like, um, you want people, even when you were talking about the, the move or the show, what was it, the Playboy house, whatever, you yeah. don't ever want people to feel exploited or feel like they can't leave a situation, but you also like, there's an empowerment for some people in that kind of work. And it's just, it was just a really interesting um, experience for me to have. So when, when you were talking about that, it made me really happy because I know it's been like such a long journey for a lot of people and like in the community and getting acceptance. And there seems to be even in places like where we live that are a little further behind, there seems to be like, um, there seems to be an energy of, of support, which is really neat to see. So in, even in my lifetime, it's changed so much. Like I said to Carson Cressley, like it's just changed so much since their show was on. Like, it's very, very cool to see. So I'm really excited to hear that your company exists and that there's such support. So that's really, really neat. That's really Thank cool. You. And it's awesome for your daughter to see that too. I mean, it's like, how will that like shape her life and her perspective? It's just really yeah. cool, you know? I always laugh because people ask her what my job is. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you tell them? She's like, no, I tell them exactly what you do. And I was like, cool. Like they need, she's sharing the knowledge. Yeah, exactly. She's informing and enlightening people. You know, it's funny because um, like with microaggressions and stuff, a lot of times people it comes from like just not being informed. And I think the more people that can inform people and just like, you know, share information where people just don't have an understanding, I think is so powerful. So it's cool that like we have our little, our little uh, troops out there, you know, <laughs> informing people. But it's, it's so neat when you raise children to, um, to be accepting of, accepting of people, then they accept you too, how you are, which is really beautiful, so. She's like my little ride or die, my, my, my first daughter, you know? Yeah. It's very cool. All right, so before we go, I wanna thank you so much for coming on Ruby and I'll make sure to link everything. It's been a really fun conversation. Um, but before we go, something that you posted a few weeks ago really hit home for me and I wasn't even aware of it. Um, I've had three C-sections and you posted about C-section awareness and also birth trauma story. and. And I'd really love to hear about that if you don't mind sharing because it's it's very um, relevant and I wasn't even aware that there was a conversation happening about it. Um, I don't, I haven't really shared any of this until recently. Like I've just been realizing how much it affects me daily. Um, and it was funny because my friend was here visiting and we were talking about birth trauma and the next morning I was just scrolling through Instagram and this lady popped up um her name was like birth trauma mama or something and she does therapy sessions for this and um she had a traumatic birth and I was just like going through her posts and I was like this is stuff I feel like every single day like mm. and to see that it's normal was like cool and it turns out she lives very close to where we do um oh wow but it was just like maybe this was like meant I was meant to see this I don't know mm -hmm. but um, so when I was pregnant I was only uh, I think I was 23 um I had a great first like four months of my pregnancy no morning mm -hmm. sickness, nothing and then midway I started getting really sick I would have ocular migraines every day um, I had insane high blood pressure. So like preeclampsia, um, I was diabetic, like just everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong. Um, mm. I had to stay in the hospital a couple times during my pregnancy. I had to get blood tests at like once or twice a week. It was just like nonstop. Like I felt like I might as well just move into this freaking hospital and I didn't have mm. anybody to like um, I just like was doing all this by myself. Like I had my parents, I have my friends, but like not to have a partner going through this with you was just like, that was like something in itself. Um, so they ended up, my blood pressure was like so insane. They had to induce me and I, it was mm -hmm. like a month early. Um, 
the they had to have me on I think it was magnesium so I didn't have seizures because my blood pressure was so high that oh like pitocin, I think which they mm-hmm. didn't tell me so I was in the hospital all day nothing nothing's progressing nothing's progressing um and they had to do like a blood draw every couple hours to like check stuff and I remember the last time they did it they could not get blood was not coming out of my arm like nothing so I hate needles I hate medical I hate all this stuff so I'm like freaking out they come in they're like we have to take you for emergency c-section and I'm like okay but they're like we have to put you to sleep because we can't give you the epidural because of whatever is happening in your body with the clotting and that um we can't do that so and nobody nobody's allowed to be in the room with you either mm. because you're put under so I'm like bawling my eyes out um went did the c-section I remember waking up out of it and I said where the fuck am I and they're like oh you're at blah blah, blah hospital you just had a baby girl and they handed my daughter to me and I just started bawling because I'm still alone at this point I'm like waking up from anesthesia I have no idea what's going on so all's fine and good they kept me I feel like they weren't telling me what was happening they Mm -hmm. kept me in the intensive care because of c-section but they wouldn't let me go to a regular room after like a couple days whatever so um it wasn't until people were coming to visit me this one nurse came in the room and she's flipping out she's like you guys can't be in here she's really really sick you need to get out she can't have overstimulation the lights need to be off this that and the other I'm like I don't have any idea what's happening here like I'm just visiting my family I think um it turned out I had help syndrome oh wow is a rare thing that happened it can happen after delivery or before mine happened after um I still don't know the exact like what's happening um, your body's not, it's something with the platelets are low and your blood doesn't clot and it's like a whole mess and you're susceptible to like seizures and all this stuff. And so having a C-section, you don't know if I'm like bleeding out, <laughs> there's no way to tell, you know? So I'm just in the hospital for, I was in the hospital for a week, hooked up to all this stuff. Um, but a couple of days after I had delivered, I was I think I was just like brushing my teeth. They wouldn't let me stand. They wouldn't let me get out of bed. Um, brushing my teeth with one of those like little finger cot things, like yes. trying to just kind of feel normal. And my gums started bleeding and it would not stop. My mouth was oh just my blood. I have pictures of me just like holding washcloths, just blood. And they are freaking out. They're like running everywhere. Like, oh my God, she's like, basically I'm bleeding to death because there's nothing stopping this um so I ended up having to get a blood transfusion I had an allergic reaction to that after they gave it to me it was just like one thing after the next um so like I mean I was in the hospital my daughter was completely fine this whole time she was right she was tiny but totally healthy it was just me having all of these issues so but she was like, staying with you, right? Because but, she was a preemie. Sure, sure. Yes, she was with me. Um, they would let her go to the nursery to like sleep. Sure. I could try to get rest, but you can't get rest in the hospital when you're in a tangle of wires and monitors, you know? So mm-hmm. it's crazy. And um, so like I, my mom had stayed with me that whole time. So until it was time for me to go home from the hospital, she had used up her week of vacation. So I was home by myself trying to heal with this baby, <laughs> like mm. a baby. And I like, can't, I can't get up and down out of bed because of my C-section. Like mm-hmm. it was just really, really a struggle and it sucked. But now it's like, like um, I was reading on that birth trauma ladies page, like how like even the week of your kid's birthday, you feel like a certain way because you're remembering all of this stuff that happened to you. And it's just like, you want to be happy and celebrate your kid's birthday. And they're the best thing that's ever happened to you. But you have this like block of all this other shit you went through to get 
to where you are. So it's like, it just makes you feel a certain way. So, but then when all this, like, I've, it's funny cause like after, I never share that stuff. Cause I always feel like people try to like one up you or you're mm -hmm. like, I feel like I'm trying to one up somebody else, but I'm not, I'm just like, I'm an oversharer sometimes. So I just kind of shut down and I never shared that story till recently. Cause I feel like I need to start getting it out as part of like a healing process. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's crazy. And I, I can't have any more kids. I had to get my tubes tied, but like the whole Roe versus Wade thing lately, like there was a point in my life where if I would have gotten pregnant after I had my daughter, I would have had to get an abortion because I can't medically have any kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's funny because my daughter is going to be 11, but all of my friends are just now having kids. Mm -hmm. So they're going through stuff. And some of them have had traumatic births and c-section all of my friends have had c-sections which before I did I feel like nobody had that like especially an emergent they've all had emergency c-section so it's like it's cool to have somebody to bond with that over and we are like a safe space for each other to talk about that but like mm -hmm. I feel like nobody talks about talks about that my cat is meowing <laughs> <laughs> um it's just, I don't know. Like you think, oh, you get pregnant, you go in, you have a perfect vaginal birth, your baby's yeah. healthy, you go home, you're with your husband, your partner, whatever, you know, it's not, nobody ever shares the like shitty side of things knowing, like I had never ever in my life even heard of being put to sleep for a C-section, you know what I mean? Like Same, same, it happened to me. I know. What the did, fuck? Did you get put yeah. to sleep too? The first child, and and I, I hate like you mentioned. I never want to like dis this like all trauma is not equal, right? But like it also matters how it affects you. So you can't really like at a certain point you just fuck it. Like yeah. you just you have to share your story, and you have not that you have to share your story, but you have to. I didn't mean to say share. I guess I meant to say you have to know your story and and like like take the competition bullshit out of it because people that do that are so weak and so unkind but it's like so important to like honor your trauma if you want to heal like some people just don't want to heal and they just want to like put it under the rug yeah I was put to sleep my first child Maya that I ended up being a single mom um my 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 husband at the time was working so he wasn't able to stay with me often or long for that it was a scheduled c-section I was also um gestational diabetes so she was huge or so they thought you know and yeah. um they gave me an epidural and it like they did it like four times and I had like all this bruising on my back and I was like a young like I didn't know this was a problem um, right. and they ended up putting me out without like telling me or like I don't know if he signed off on it or whatever and literally I woke up like two hours later and I'm like and I was like I'm like a crunchy motherfucker mom okay yeah. so I was like don't take my little baby I got this birth plan and we're gonna be breastfeeding and all the la -di da like everything's gonna be fine once she's out like you mentioned like oh everything's gonna be golden you know they took her away they gave her like sugar water and I was like actually what the fuck and they said it was because of her blood sugar and I'm like okay but I was in a hospital that was not supportive of breastfeeding at all I was pushed because I'm you know this was in 2008 um they were pushing formula the whole time, like formula companies were giving them free formula. It was such a fucking nightmare, but yes, I was put to sleep and I had no fucking idea that was an option. And I had even watched the business of being born by Ricky Lake. Have you seen it? It's fascinating. You've got to watch it because when, when my grandparents were giving birth, they were giving women all kinds of weird shit. Like what it's like a, it's crazy. The things that they've done in, in, in birthing, it's just fucking crazy. Um, and, and the whole like shaving everything down there was happening to my grandmoms and it's just crazy. It's a great, it's a great documentary by Ricky Lake actually. But um, I'd already watched it. I was like, and I watched all the C-section videos. I'm like, I'm prepared. They fucking put me under because I was not numb. Right. And I wake up two hours later, like where the fuck is my baby? Well, you'll see her soon. Cause I was in recovery, but yeah. like I, I've heard of help, help syndrome before. Is it called help syndrome? Yeah. It's like, but I, yeah, I had never like, heard like exactly what it was because I just bled out from like a nosebleed and it was so traumatic for me last year and like it was like fucking 
horrifying. So I cannot even fucking imagine. Yeah. Like that is so scary. And wow. Like, yeah, of course that's going to trigger you every year. And I'm yeah. just, it's really, really hard. And, and then I was triggered every time I had two other children. Every time I would go to have another child, I was like, fucking terrified of the hospital staff yep. and they they had given me Dilatin with my first daughter and I was I'm not like I don't really do drugs like I just I'm yeah. not a good drug person because I'm anxious <laughs> I was like I remember asking my ex-husband like am I fucking dead right now and you know what are they taking her out like I was high as fucking hell yeah. and then I told them with the second one Ruby don't give me Dilatin whatever the fuck you do I said, give me some Tylenol. The bitch comes in, a, a nighttime nurse, gave me yeah. motherfucking Dilatin. And I was like, oh my God, I'm done. But you're so right. I mean, my second daughter, I wanted to be back. Like I was like, I'm going to be back. So they gave me an extra week of cooking. She mm-hmm. ended up swallowing her mercumium or whatever, the poop. And she was in the ICU and it was just like, shit, like this is not what's going to, supposed to happen. You're supposed to like the the pregnancy is the hard part and it's really it's really important I think um for other people like other women and people that may or or people that are I I forget how to say it but people that are um able to menstruate and give birth um Hmm. to hear our stories only uh, not not like it's your duty or whatever like it's up to you of course but I value that and I appreciate you sharing because you know I think it's important um if I if I would have known about you know, being put under for a C-section and we're fucking asked about it. Like, don't, you know, explain, you know, so it's, I appreciate that so much, but it's, it's definitely not a, always a beautiful experience for sure. And I appreciate you giving me a, a platform to talk about it because this is something I would have never in a million years done until like recently. I was like, it's, it's time and to like get it out and it's out in the open. It start. it feels good. It feels good yeah. to be able to share that with people. Yeah, absolutely. Even if, you know, even if it feels like funny because, you know, it doesn't feel good sometimes because you're reliving the trauma when you talk about it, but it's like, it it will help somebody for sure. Because, you know, like I said, they're not teaching this shit in schools. People don't know this stuff. And it's, you know, the thing with Roe v. Wade is it's not black and white, right? So like, none of this is black and white and it's not just women it's affecting. It's it's affecting anybody who can menstruate. It's affecting children because children are unfortunately being raped. Yeah. And it's like, don't, so, you know, I just, I, I have kept my politics out of my platform and my art for a very long time, but this isn't about politics. This is about women and people that bleed and children and sexuality and empowering people with uh, knowledge. So I really, really appreciate you sharing. I know that that can be very, very hard and um, I, I just really hope for you, um, that you can continue to heal because it's, oh my God, she's 14 and I'm still trying to figure out like, That's a, like how long does, I mean, you carry it with you for your whole life, but at what point is, think, are you at peace with it? You know, you know what I got to tell you as a 41 year old, I don't think you ever fully heal, but the journey of healing and like it's just like the progress. It's like, if you keep that ball rolling, it will like, I listened to a lot of Katie Martin. She's a psychologist that deals with trauma. She's right. amazing. Um, and she always says, um, you know, sometimes the big T's, which trauma will, if you, if you heal them, they'll cancel out some of the little T's. So it's like a snowball right. effect. I like it. I like it. Cause you know, all the things that I did at 14 all affected the things that happened later. So it's like all related and all every bit that you um work on is going to help heal you and we're always healing I think or we're not and we choose not to and then we're just like really fucked up <laughs> yeah until no. recently I just was like trying to yeah um, I did start therapy actually last week because I was like it's just time for all of this shit yes. but also it's funny because like I'll make these posts on Instagram or I'll do like the anonymous tell me something about me, yes yes but like, I have these girls reaching out and messaging me, like, I look up to you. Thank you so much for sharing this. Like, I'm going to be a single mom too. Like, and I think that's just cool because mm-hmm. I didn't have any of that when I was pregnant, you know, like, mm-hmm. 
it just like I always feel like it just is what it is that was my Mm -hmm. mentality but now to like deep dive into it and feel it and just kind of like deal with it and it it, like it is what it is but like feel it and understand it and let it go is it's important yeah for sure and you know it's like the stupid saying about like forgiveness is for you not the other person like I always hated that so much but it's kind of like healing it's like like healing is not fun and it sucks and it's super painful but it's like I can just tell you being on like a few years into trying to like heal some shit that I was just not going to deal with because I have kids now I gotta just look forward like the brush under the rug very daichi very resonated um it, it does work and I find myself being less triggered by things that would have set me off so much like so I'm really excited for you with therapy like I haven't really gone the like very um typical therapy route but I do listen to a lot of podcasts and absorb a lot of uh, therapeutic sort of practices but it, it's gonna it's definitely gonna make an impact even in small ways like just not being triggered all the time and being she hawk all the time so. yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing. And, and, you know, it's really important to me to share um, the feminine perspective right now, because I think it's just, um, uh, just a really important time. It's, it's hard to be on this end of it where, you know, my whole life, I felt very free and it's scary to see some freedoms go away. So thank you so much for joining me and thanks for sharing. And, um, maybe we can do this again and check in in um a year or so it'd be really really fun that'd be cool thank you for and having maybe maybe i'll get my my corset on and bring yes. some tassels out and punch myself in the face with the titties <laughs> i love it thank you they've always been this way though i was one of those girls that just had the long boobs so long boobs. Yep. nothing new i just used the kids as an excuse it didn't work <laughs> Oh, we'll take good care. And also it's amazing. Just on a side note, I love breastfeeding, but I had a very hard journey. My last one was the only one I really could. Amazing that you were able to breastfeed after that experience. And that's really, really amazing. I think about that often. Like, yeah, let me breastfeed, but how much drugs they were pumping into my body and I'm breastfeeding. But um, yeah, I breastfed her till she was a little over a year. So that's amazing. It's a heart. That's another thing that it's like, oh, you just breastfeed. No, bitch. It's not like that. I've watched so many people struggle with that. And I'm like, I I don't have tips for you because literally not everybody's bodies work that way. And yeah, it sucks, but, but that's amazing. That's very, very cool because you know, it's one of the things that was hard for me with my already frustrating experience. So Thank you so much again. And I will link everything for everybody and go check out Ruby and the Looking Glass review when they come around and um, we'll be talking to you soon again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for Ruby joining us today. Thanks, Ruby. Please like and follow all of the channels in the show notes where you can find more information about what Ruby does and the burlesque truth looking glass review. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening. Please like and subscribe and click the fifth star on Apple Podcasts for Big Mama Hex Podcast. I really appreciate it so much. And also I just started a new Instagram account for Big Mama Hex Podcast and a Facebook account so that you can find all of the preview videos in one place. Links are a little tricky on Instagram, but you can check out in the bio the link to my website and find all the podcasts there. Have a wonderful day and mock scoot.